we have something really special we want to do right now. Is they have a little baby. His name is Zion Joel. Zion Joel. And he was born on June the 13th this year, which makes him, you know, about almost three months old. And they, they want to dedicate their baby boy to the Lord. They want to publicly give their baby boy to the Lord. And that's what we're going to do this morning is we're going to, we're going to uh, publicly give this little boy to Christ. Now, I know they've done that on a personal level. They've given them to him. But there's something to be said about, about giving babies to God. And one thing I have really just in praying about this, the Lord, you know, a couple of things, is number one, the Lord really likes this. Okay, He likes, the, what we're looking at here is a family. God has got a heart towards families in this day. Uh, young families, old families, whatever kind, of, but He's got a heart towards families. And He wants to see a family strengthened. He wants to see families blessed. That's really what God wants to do. And I really, when you think about it, you know, it really is in the fabric of our society is, is the family, is the basic thing that really that God uses to keep our, keep our nation strong. And I believe so the same in the body of Christ, that families is what really make, makes up the body of Christ, and, of course, individuals and families. So I just want to really bless, bless this family while we're blessing these babies here. <laughs> But I got some scriptures I wanted to read. These are like blessings over this little boy. Now, his name is Zion Joel, which is an unusual name. Uh, and the Lord quickened to me three scriptures. And I want to read these scriptures over him as a blessing over him. Okay? And when I get through reading them, I want you guys all to stand and raise your hands towards this, towards this family and towards this baby. The first one is Psalm 99 verse 2. And, and this is really what I'm proclaiming over this child. It says, the Lord is great in Zion. The Lord is great in Zion. That's what we're saying over this little baby. The Lord be great in this Zion. Amen? In this Zion. Psalm 129, verse 5. This is a wonderful scripture right here. It says, let all those who hate Zion be put to shame and turned back. Amen. Let all those who hate Zion be put to shame and turned back. Hallelujah. Psalm 132, verse 13. For the Lord has chosen Zion. The Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired Zion for His dwelling place. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Lord... Anybody want to come out here and stand and touch and bless? Just come on. Come on up here. If you really want to put your hands on this family and on this child. Lord, you, those Scriptures, we declare them over Zion today. Over this Zion. We bless Him with these Scriptures. We say You will be great in this Zion. You will be great in Him. We will say every enemy that comes against this Zion will be turned back and put to shame. Every, every enemy every enemy that comes against this Zion. Lord, and we say that You have chosen this Zion. You've chosen Him. And You want to live in His heart. You want to live in His life. And we say, yes, Lord. Yes, bless. Hallelujah. Y'all just raise up some blessings to this child. Amen. Yeah. That was good, wasn't it? A good thing to do. <laughs> well, we're going to let the kids go now.
and <clears throat> be dismissed. Lord, bless the children, teachers. And while they're going, I want you to open up the Bible in Joshua chapter 10. And Lord, I ask you to speak to us this morning out of your word and let it be something that can really help us today. Father, we want to come into all that you have for us. Uh, Lord, we don't want to miss any anything that you have, Lord Jesus. So help us. Also, uh, y'all need to pray for those all the twenty-something group that went went camping, driving home today, and all that stuff. And I wasn't in here when they gave the announcements, but I think we have a prophetic training class tonight. At what time, Jim? Seven o'clock. Uh, you remember we did some of that back? Seemed like forever ago in June, <laughs> and we were going to start back in August, but. You know, going to Zimbabwe and other things, sort of. I just now got over jet lag. So we're going to start back tonight at 7 if you want to come. And obviously we need more uh, teaching and more training, practical training in, in the area of, of growing in the prophetic. So that's what we're going to do tonight at 7. All right, Joshua 10. Let me read just a few verses here. It says, Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gideon had made peace with Israel and were were among them, and that they feared greatly because Gideon was a great city like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all all of its men were mighty. Therefore Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jeremoth, Japheth, king of Lachish, and Debri, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Okay, I'm going to jump over to verse 5 because it just goes through all that. In other words, all those kings got together and was going to make war against Gibeon. And, the, and then in verse 6, And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua, at the camp of, at Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal, about 25-mile march. And this is what I want to talk to you about this morning. This, this is sort of a unique situation that Joshua and those guys came into. This was the first time that they had been drawn into a battle of not their making. In other words, they didn't plan this battle. They, it wasn't their idea, let's go, you know, like we're going to go march around Jericho. We're going to go down and attack Ai. That wasn't, it wasn't their battle plan. Somebody else initiated the plan. Also, first time, before they were already, always going against like one city, fighting one, one enemy at a time. Now they've got five enemies that they're going to face. So it's a sort of a unique situation. And really what I want to talk to you about this morning, I, I feel like what the Lord's saying, is many times in our life, in fact, I'm thinking most of the times except the stupid times, okay, the stupid times, is we find ourselves drawn into battles that we haven't initiated. We find ourselves put in situations where we are going to have to face circumstances and difficulties and tryings that we didn't really want to. 
In fact, I don't know anybody who wants to face that kind of stuff. You hear what I'm saying to you? We get drawn in. The enemy comes after us and attacks us outside of our planet, outside of our initiative. And I think that it, um, if you really study the Bible, and I know a lot of people sort of go back and forth on this one point about, you know, many times when you begin to come into what God has for you, there's an increase in spiritual attack on your life. Does anybody feel like they experience that? When you start making spiritual progress, it seems like the enemy suddenly uh, comes after you to stop you. And a lot of people say, well, you know, when they're having difficulties, they'll say, this is a good sign, you know, because we're really headed in the right direction. The enemy's come to, to just like in this situation, these guys realized, hey, this, this crowd, this Joshua and this crowd, they're going to take over. They're taking over. We've got to do something. We've got to stop them. So I think that's pretty good theology when people say that. Now, there's a, the classic one is back in Exodus 5 when Moses went to Pharaoh and said, Let my people go. And, and Pharaoh got all in an uproar and basically said this, Listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you... This is what he was talking to his taskmasters, before they supplied all the straw for Israel to make the bricks. He says, stop supplying the straw. Let them go gather the straw on top of having to make the bricks. But you gotta, they got to still make the same amount of bricks. In other words, you got to get them so busy because they are got too much idle time on their hands and they're wanting to go and sacrifice to the Lord. So you can see right from the beginning when God wanted to set children of Israel free, what the enemy's plan was, was just consume them with busyness. Consume them with it. Well, they won't have time to think about the Lord. Anybody in here feel like they were consumed with business? Raise your hand this morning. You know what? That really might be the devil. It really may be the devil's strategy in your life to get you so busy with just life, just so busy with trying to survive, so busy with trying to make a living, that you don't have time for what's really important. That's a real strategy of the devil. And I think somehow we had to look. And I was, I, one of the things, I was talking to one of the, the pastors over when I was over in Zimbabwe who came, he, he was born in the rural area. And he was born in one of these round huts with straw roofs and grew up like that. And he's saying, I like to go back there. And he, of course, moved in the city. He was like, you know, one of their main, like, senior pastors over many congregations. He said, I like to go back to the rural area because life is so much simpler. And it's just not so busy. That's what he's saying to me. I said, you know what, Pastor Patrick, in America, our life is a hundred times worse than your most busy moment. You know, even an African is saying, we're too busy. You know, we don't have time for what's really important. Our life is consumed with busyness. And I think it's really not the Lord for our lives to be consumed with busyness. I think when we feel that way, we really need to step back and look at our lives. And most people, they step back and look at their lives, and the first thing they want to start cutting out is the things of God. Okay? They want to cut out the things of God. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to give the Lord, you know, I don't have time to serve God. And that's really not the right answer. There's other things that we need to be cutting out of our life, not the things of God. So I want to encourage you this morning, just really, if you're busy, if you're consumed with busyness, I don't believe it's the Lord. I don't believe it's God's plan for you. And I think you really need to take a long, hard look at your life and find out where your priorities are 
And there's some things that, that are really on the back burner in your life that God did, doesn't want on the back burner. Amen? So that's right from the Scripture. Well, that was sort of just a little extra. I'm going to read verse 16 and 18. The Lord, of course, gave them a great victory, and I'm not going to go, you know, the sun stood still. He threw hail down on his enemies, and I was talking to somebody the other day, I wish I could get God to throw some hail at my enemies. You know, I wish I could command the sun to stand still, but that stuff doesn't typically happen nowadays, right? That's not typically how God delivers people. I mean, I'm not seeing it. I don't know anybody that's seeing the sun stand still. In fact, it says it's never happened before or since. That's what the Scripture says, but... But in verse 16, it says, they had whipped these boys and chased them all day long. That's why they got the sun to stand still, so they could just have more daylight to beat them. <laughs> I mean, what a great day. I mean, we need more daylight so we can just beat the fire of these guys and beat them well. And it says, but these, this is verse 16, but these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave. And it was told Joshua, saying, the five kings had been found hidden in this particular cave. I'm skipping over the cave because I don't know how to pronounce it. So Joshua said, roll a large stone against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard to guard them. And then he goes on and do not stay there do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. Now, I want you to turn over to Judges, next book over from Joshua. Judges has happened after Joshua basically died. These were the guys who were who were ruling Israel, the leaders. I want to read one verse to you in Judges chapter 6, verse 2. It says, uh, <clears throat> everybody there? Joshua Judges. Judges 6, verse 2. It says, The hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites, because of the Midianites, listen to this, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, the strongholds which are in the mountains. So here's, now what I want to do is I want you to think about this. Well, I just read to you in Joshua, who was in the cave hiding? It was the enemies, right, the kings, the enemies of God were hiding in the cave. That was, their, that was the state in Joshua's day. Jumping over here in the judges' days, it's exactly reversed. The people of God are hiding in caves. The people of God are being pushed back. You see that? I mean, that, to me, that's really, in other words, their life boiled down to just trying to survive. Instead of treading on their enemies, instead of overcoming their enemies, they were in hiding. They were scared. And I tell you, it seems like to me that tends to be our case many times. We come under oppression. We come under attack. We come under uh, testing and tribulation in our lives. But instead of us doing what Joshua and those guys did, when the enemy come came, they, went, they responded and went after the enemy, and God gave them victory over the enemies. We do like they did in, Ju in, in Gideon's time, in the judges' time, is we retreat into the caves and just try, you know, if we can just hang on, we're going to be okay. If we can just hang on, we'll, be, we'll make it. And see, that is really not God's will. God's will, God's purpose is for what happened in Joshua's day. That's how He wants us to do it. He wants us to drive the enemy back even when the enemy comes against us and, and lines up in a, a, a coalition of forces to attack you where you feel attacked on every side of your life. Where you feel oppressed on every side of your life. No matter what's happening, you're attacked at home, you're attacked at work, you're attacked in school, you're attacked with your kids, you're attacked with the church. You know, that's like a coalition coming against you where you feel like you're being pushed back. 
And that was exactly what was happening with Joshua. And that was exactly what happened in, in, the, in the days of Judges. But they didn't respond. They hid themselves. And they just wanted to get their food so they could stay alive. We can just stay alive, you know, and hang in here until something happens. And that's really not what the Lord wants for us. And I think there's many Christians that are held up in the caves trying to survive, you know, beat back, you know, going through stuff in their lives and, and losing. Feel like they're just, you know, hit out. Anybody have that experience this morning? You feel that way. Anybody besides Mary? If that's just Mary, everybody else can go home and I'll just talk to Mary. Mary and Galen. I know this. A lot of people are being, their faith is being tried in this day. I think this nation is being tried. I think the nation as a whole, and you can see nations get tried, churches get tried, you know, individuals get tried, families go through stuff, as, you know, corporately together. And, that, and I think we're living in a time where we're, people are being tested around us. And we really need to understand how to respond to that biblically, what the Bible really says. And that's, that's really what I want to sort of hit on. Turn over to Ephesians 6. Are y'all with me? Now, I'm not going to talk, give you no message on the armor of God this morning. Like in Ephesians 6, I mean, somebody was, everybody knows their Bible knows that's where the armor of God is. I know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to go through each piece of armor and tell us what each piece stands for. And that is a great message. I've heard that message many times in my life. I've preached that message two times, I think, in my career. It is a wonderful message, and there's a lot of truth in there, but that is not what I want to do. But I do want to read the first part of it, which I think is very, it's in Ephesians 6, verse 10. Uh, through 13. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, wickedness in, in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. Everybody say withstand. Amen. Withstand in the evil day. Everybody say evil day. And then it says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. So what I want to do, instead of doing it the tr traditional, typical way, everybody does this, I'm doing my untraditional, untypical way, or non-traditional, non-typical, is I want to talk about how to withstand in the evil day. How do you withstand when you are being tested? Anybody feel like they're being tested this morning? Raise your hand. I want to see the people. They feel like their faith, they're in a trial some felt some form. Good. Now, the rest of you, if you're a member of this church, I hate to tell you this, this church is going through a season of trying. Okay? We're being tried. So, number one, I want to just tell you this, the word day and the evil day. Everybody say day. Day, day is a certain period of time. It has a beginning and it has an end. That's the good news. It has an end. It's really good news. Now, I want to read a scripture to you. You don't have to turn there. And this is about a church that's being tried. The church of Smyrna. One of the, of the seven churches. It was one of the churches that went through a trial and that Jesus didn't fuss at them. He wasn't mad at them. There's, you know, a few, one more I think he wasn't really concerned about. He says, this is what he says, Revelation 2.10. Do not fear any of those things which are about you are about to suffer. In other words, he was saying, you're fixing to go through something. This is Jesus talking, telling a church. It was a church in the city, Church of Smyrna. It was a whole, you know, not just one fellowship, one congregation, like it, it's the Lord was saying this to Morrisville. Don't fear any of these things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil, 
That's what Jesus said. The devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. He told them, this is exactly how long this thing is going to last. It's going to last ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So you see, I want to give you some encouragement this morning. If you're going through a fiery trial, it has a beginning, and it definitely has an end to it. It's not going to go forever, even though it may seem like it's going forever. It's not going to go forever. The Lord's going to bring it to an end. And what the Lord wants to encourage you to do to, to withstand is be faithful through this thing. Don't give up on the Lord. You know, and don't fall away from the Lord. Don't be a fair-weather Christian. You hear what I'm saying? Just, oh, things are bad now, you know. Let's retreat to our den. Let's desert the ship, you know. Let's quit following the Lord. Let's get slack in our life. Don't do that. That is not the Lord. Well, here's what I did. Did y'all get that, what I just said to you? I want you to really get that. Here's what I did. I went through the Bible, and I picked out a few times people in the Scripture were tested. Okay? A few times people in the Scripture were tested. And I stuck with the New Testament because I could spend, you could spend 20 years in the Old Testament examining how they responded. And that's what I want us to do is to learn from their test. In other words, there's different kinds of tests, there's different kinds of trials that will come at you and, and how they responded in the Bible. So we, you know, we can have some biblical basis on how to respond. Are you all with me? You think this will help you? Good. It helps Terry. If it helps Terry, that's, that's more. All right, the first one, I want you to turn to Matthew 4. This is the old, the old standby that everybody uses. The problem is everybody uses this and says this is the answer. This is one answer for one specific type of trial. It's an important one because it's important that we get this, real, this point here about trials. So we're talking about how to tread on our conquered foe. The devil is a conquered foe. How do we walk out and tread upon him in a practical way? This is how you need to deal with your trials. All right. Matthew 4, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay? He was led up by the Spirit. Who led Jesus into this trial? The Spirit. Did you get that? He was led. Now, so here's what we need. This is a specific type trial. First type of trial is trials arranged by the Holy Spirit. Trials arranged by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit arranged this trial. You may be in a trial that was arranged by the Holy Spirit. Maybe all His doing, His making. Because we know from, from the book of Job that the devil cannot just do whatever he wants to do. He has to ask permission to be able to do what he wants to do. He can't get to you without going through God. The Bible says, He who touches you touches the apple of his eye. And that word apple literally means pupil. So are you going to go stick your finger in God's pupil? The devil's not going to do that. That's how God, how important, you know, you won't even want to be hard to stick your own finger in your own pupil, you know, your natural reflexes. So there is a trial arranged by God, divine order by God, God's will for you to go through this trial. Okay, here's an important point in these, in those types of trials. Satan is the tempter. Not God. That's what it says right there. Right? He was to be tempted by the devil. Here's another scripture, James 1.13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God arranges the trial, but Satan's the one who tempts you and tries you. It's not God. 
So don't be mad at God. It's the devil. Even though God allowed it. God made, you know, ordered it. Now here's the way you fight that particular trial. You fight it the way Jesus fought it. And everybody knows how Jesus fought it, right? It says, verse 3, Now when the tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, command these breads become stone, become, these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, The man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, this is the way God wants you to deal with that type of trial. He wants you to use Scripture. He wants you to use the Bible. That's the weapon that you're supposed to, to use in that type of trial. Are you all with me? This is important. This is the right weapon for the right fight. In other words, if I'm going to fight Larry Faldo, I'm going to have a certain type of weapon I'm going to use on Larry. If I'm going to fight Becky, i got a whole different array of weapons. But she's a much better fighter than Larry. You see? So I have a different arsenal that I'm going to use. You know, with Larry, I'm just going to hit him as hard as I can. With Becky, I'm going to negotiate. You know? So this is what we're talking about here. Which weapon do you pull out of your arsenal? This is the weapon you pull out when the Holy Spirit arranges a trial for you and puts you in a situation, God wants you to use the Scriptures to fight that battle. Now, you might be asking a question, how in the world do I know that this is? And we'll get to that. So just, I'm just giving you some different types of trials. Second trial, turn to Matthew 16. This is the second trial. This is a trial which we probably face the most of in our life. And I want to call it trials meant to cause us to sin or turn away from God's will for our lives. This is the type of trial I'm going to give you this one. Just want to make you sin. That's all that trial wants to do. Matthew 16, verse 21. It says, From that time Jesus began to show to His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took Him aside and began to rebuke Him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, you, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Notice how, what Jesus did. He looked at Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. That is a pretty typical trial that we go through in our life. It's when Satan comes to us and speaks something into our life, trying to get us to commit a sin or to reject God's plan for our life. This is how it happens to me. Every day of my life, almost, I wake up first thing in the morning and I hear something trying to tell me, trying to tempt me to sin. Okay? Every, that, that happens to me on a regular basis, about every day. And it probably does happen to me every day. Someday I just get out of bed and I'm so groggy because I learn how to fight this battle. You fight this battle is you resist it. In other words, this is how I practically resist it. There's a, a temptation to sin. There's a temptation to be discouraged. There's a temptation to be disillusioned. It comes to me when I wake up in the morning. That is not the Lord. That's not the Holy Spirit. That is doing exactly what Satan did to, to Jesus to try to t redirect his life. Satan come and trying to get the first part of the day from me. Give Him the first part. They start believing those things. Don't go read the Bible. Don't go talk to God. Believe all the negative things that are coming at you. Now, that is a trial. And how you handle that trial is the way Jesus, you resist it. You say, no, you, you know, I'm not going for this. I'm not buying this. So I've learned through the hard way is when I wake up in the morning, I don't just lay there in the bed and think. Because the devil is just releasing thoughts to me, one right after another. So what I do is I get up. When I wake up, I'm awake. I'm not going back to sleep. I'm up out of the bed so I, and go be with the Lord. 
Now, that's the truth. That's giving God the first part of my day, which I really believe in that. I know a lot of people don't believe in that, but I believe it's, it's something we all need to be doing. You could spend three minutes with God. That's the first part of your day. But I believe what the enemy's trying to do in my life in the mornings is take the first part of my day for himself so he can have it. And if he can get in the first part of my day, he's got the rest of it. Because if I can get all discouraged in the morning, I mean, i got a bad day ahead of me before anything's really happened. So, there's a really thing I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can restrain temptation from entering into your life. Okay? And this is the way the Holy Spirit restrains temptation from entering into my life, is I get up. I don't lay there and entertain. See, there's lots of things that we go through that we should not go through. I don't think every trial, every difficulty we get into is from the Lord. Some of them are self-made. If you're watching TV programs that give you trouble, that cause you to enter into temptation, that is not the Holy Spirit. That's stupid you. You know? I'm serious. You're the one who, you're putting yourself in a position to be tempted.